This episode was filmed pre-SAG strike and pre-WGA strike and follows all guidelines surrounding strike compliance. Hey everyone, and welcome to Three's Company 2, a rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Joss Richard, and this is the podcast where every week I will be joined by a special guest who either loves Three's Company, hates it, or has never even heard of it, and together we'll review an episode of the classic sitcom. Today we are talking about season three, episode 11, The Kleptomaniac, and I wouldn't say it's a top five favorite episode, but I feel like it's a pretty solid episode. It gives you everything that you're looking for in a sitcom, and I'm really, really excited to introduce our special guest. So Cindy is a television writer and producer who has worked for over 30 classic sitcoms, including Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, Joni Loves Chachi, The Jeffersons, Married with Children, Mama's Family, and the list goes on. She has also recently finished a darkly comedic, semi-autobiographical novel, Morgan Keller Takes a Deep Breath, based on her experiences as an on-staff TV writer. Hi, Cindy. How are you? Hey, Joss. I'm happy to be here. So happy to have you. I'm a little, I'm, I'm kind of fangirling because I love sitcoms and the fact that you have worked on so many sitcoms is so incredible. You are a very, very special guest. Well, thank you. I grew up loving them as well. I would love to know what made you get into writing? Like, did you just want to be a writer and then your career path took you into sitcoms or was there something about sitcoms that you fell in love with? Yeah, I, I had no idea I'd be a sitcom writer. Even though I love sitcoms, I was a phys ed major in, in college, completely unrelated. And um, there was a point I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And I went to graduate school and they didn't have any classes in broadcast journalism, but it was a convenient school to my house. And they had screenwriting. And I took a screenwriting class and I, Laverne and Shirley had just gone on the air and I wrote a spec, Laverne and Shirley, and I thought, I think this is what I'm meant to do. It, it was the closest thing. My show was I Love Lucy. I used to watch them in reruns when I was little. And um, Laverne and Shirley was the closest thing, the friendship between the two women. What season did you join Laverne and Shirley? Well, that was the really weird thing, is that was my spec. I knew nobody on the show. And then when I decided that I wanted to be uh, a TV writer, my mother was talking to a friend of hers and telling her that I wanted to be sitcom writer. And her nephew was on staff at Laverne and Shirley. So I went out to LA for a two week uh, visit and I, and I ended up calling him and he invited me, you know, he read my, my scripts. He gave them to his boss, who was the co-creator of Laverne and Shirley. And then that guy, Lowell Gans, met with me and then said, uh, I read your scripts. I mean, you know, it was like a dream come true. And uh, you should you should be a writer. And if I have a show, I'll put you on as an apprentice writer. And that fell through. And then my script was given to another producer, a guy named Ron Levitt, who eventually created Married with Children. But mm. he was, this is prior to that. And he was on a show. He put me on that show. That show was canceled. He was hi hired on Laverne and Shirley. And I ended up on the, the show that I dreamt about. Wow. What a journey. <laughs> and it wasn't that long. It was about three years. Yeah, that took maybe three years or less. 
Oh my gosh. Well, that's a dream come true. I, I'm sure you are you have lived out a lot of people's dreams. I know how many people write spec scripts and try to get on shows. That's a different yeah. conversation, but that is um that's that's so incredible. Okay, Three's Company. I would love to know. I actually am not familiar. I don't know your knowledge of Three's Company, but did you watch it? Is this something that when you were working was referred back to? Because I know sometimes sitcom plot lines are sort of regurgitated in different ways. So was it ever something that was referred back to in any of your rooms that you've been in? No, no. I, I mean, I, I wasn't a fan. I thought it was a good show. It's a solid show. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know why we like what we like. I don't, I don't, I don't really know, but, um, it was a hit. It was a huge hit. And, uh, I should have liked it because of John Ritter alone. He was just one of the few, um, actors that could do physical comedy. And all these years later, we, there weren't very many people who could do what, what he could do. But, um, shows don't, uh, when you're coming up with stories, no, they never refer to other other shows. They might refer to something that they worked on earlier saying, Oh, I once did an episode like this. And then they might use that as a springboard and do it different, you know, because, mm-hmm. um, people could steal from themselves. Right. You right. know, as long as you do something, some people really steal too close, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you see that all the time. You'll say, well, that, wait a minute. I like the show, but they also did that show. They kind of did the same story. Right. You know, but I could definitely talk about, about three's company and some of this stuff. I, I learned something today about three's company. Okay. Um, so, so I'm going to go back to, cause I was there when Suzanne Summers, um, wanted to, you know, to go from 30,000 to 150,000 an episode. And she became a villain, really. People were not behind her. They thought she was greedy. They thought her husband was greedy. And the thing that I learned today that I thought was very interesting is that she wanted to match John Ritter's salary. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the disparity, you have three people starring in a show. The male is getting 150,000, right? The mm-hmm. female is getting 30. I don't know what the other one got. Maybe she got 30 also. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really isn't fair. So when you look back, yes, maybe he was a bigger part or people liked him. I, I don't really know. But it, it that, that's too huge of a disparity. It is. It is. And I think that it was – had that happened today, I definitely don't think she would come off as the villain. I think it was – a very different time, whatever story she was trying to tell was maybe misconstrued. But yes, to your you know, your question, Joyce DeWitt, who plays Janet, was also making the same amount as Suzanne Summers. So the argument was, okay, well, if we give you 150000 we also have to give Joyce 150000 And then we have to give John 200000 So we just can't afford it. And that's really interesting why those are the rules, because they are – a company. They're, the three of them are equal. And I think John Ritter naturally just had a bigger audience. He was the one that was like really bringing in the viewers every week because I don't know, maybe because he's the only guy. And then there were two girls that were sort of his like, I don't know, backup. Maybe that's how it was perceived, but very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Look, Stanley, you've been lying around all morning and you promised me that you'd paint the outside of the building today. Well, the day's not over. Yeah, but you've been promising all year. 
Well, the year's not over. How long can you stand to look at something so faded and drab? I don't know. How long have we been married? It's interesting that you worked on Married with Children because someone in a previous episode that I had said that their relationship – well, actually, let me give context. I was asking, is – because to me, it's not. Is Mr. Roper not wanting to have sex with his wife funny? I knew you were going to go there when you said yeah. that. <laughs> because, I mean, I I think it, I do think it's funny, but every episode now that I'm analyzing it, it's quite sad, and I feel bad for her. She's a great woman. She's a catch. So are we are we supposed to be laughing with Mr. Roper or Mrs. Roper? And I think the dynamic is sort of similar to Married with Children. So would love your thoughts and if you find this funny. <laughs> um, you know, again, this is a very '70s kind of a thing, right? And then. And then I guess the uh, Married with Children was 90s, right? Same kind of thing, a diff- very, very different kind of show tonally. Um, but, you know, she was also needling him all the time, right? He, he said, you know, horrible things. It was that joke in the, in the beginning about, tire, you know, something about being tired and faded, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 right? They had a whole bunch of insults against each other. but. Who did you root for? I don't know. You know, one of the funny things that he did is when he insulted her, he looked at the camera. He yeah. broke the fourth wall. Yeah. You know, you don't usually see that in that show. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that he ever looks at the camera. Maybe he does. I don't know. You would know. She's sexually frustrated, as was Peggy. Same kind of thing. Tries to trick him. Yeah, I, I, would, <laughs> I would say it was very similar. And probably a lot of shows use that, yeah. that kind of humor. Anyway, you wouldn't see that now. They didn't have Viagra either. (laughs) So it's a different world. (laughs) Very, very different world. I grew up watching this show and I thought there was nothing wrong with it. I was like, oh yeah, when you get older, you just don't have sex with your spouse. That's fine. And now when I have guests come on that have never seen the show and are watching this for the first time, that's the first thing they say. They always say, why didn't Mrs. Roper leave him? Why didn't she file for divorce? And it's like, I just, again, I think it was a different time. Also, divorce wasn't super common either. Writers just want to make people laugh. Yeah. They don't, they don't really, really sit and think about why doesn't she leave him? You know, and if people do, they joke and go, these aren't real people. I know right. you think they are, but they're not real people. <laughs> and and it's particularly then, it was, they wanted them to insult each other. And that mm-hmm. is kind of a low blow, Right. So, yeah. uh, and easy. Those kind of jokes are very easy to write. They write themselves. <laughs> and I'll tell you that something is- interesting also about that uh, episode with that first scene is, so in sitcoms, you have what you call the A story and the B story. So the A story is the major story, right? And the B story, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you know all this, but um, for the people who may not know, mm-hmm. uh, the B story is the smaller story that you get to cut to. They had these two stories very entwined. And they started with the B story. You, you, you didn't realize, of, of course, right. how it was going to be connected. But it was kind of an interesting way to do that story. Not everybody would have done that story. But what, what was also happening on that show is people were starting to love the Ropers. And as you know, they, they, they spun off yeah. into, their, into their, own, their own show. So they were probably also featuring them a little bit more also as a couple. 
Uh, I think you said this was the third season. Did you say this was the third? Yes, third and, season. And, and you're very perceptive because this is their last season. So I feel like it might have been them sort of, yes, like giving them more of a major plot or more screen time, I guess, to set audiences up for the uh, spinoff. So yeah, very perceptive. (laughs) I've done it long enough that I know, you know, I mean, you wouldn't start with them if they were not your stars, you wouldn't start with them. And it worked. It totally worked, but it had to be they were featuring the two of them. And they had a chemistry and they were very funny, both of them. Audra Lindley also had a very natural tone for a, you know, for a character that was very out there. A lot of times you get actors that would play it bigger than her. She was wearing a wig to make mm-hmm. her a little more out there and her clothing is very out there. But her acting is actually pretty natural. You know, she yeah. wasn't looking at the camera like he was and smirking and, and making all these faces. She plays it more real. She does. And Mrs. Roper has become a fan favorite since this podcast has started. Everyone finds that Mrs. Roper, they're like, we, Mrs. Roper is a queen. We love Mrs. Roper. That's what everyone always says after leaving this podcast. So I I give all of the props to Audra Lindley. I think she's incredible. And I think, I agree. I think they have amazing chemistry, her and Norman Fell. Now we are going downstairs, or sorry, upstairs to the kids, the kids, and we have Chrissy helping Jack type up an employment letter. This this went on a little long. I feel like this entire scene and this setup, yeah. I thought the desirous was funny. I thought him say, or her typing brushing the hair out of your eyes is funny. And it wasn't really crucial to the plot line, this whole scene with her typing the letter. Yeah, you know, it's really funny. That's the kind of thing usually um, in a first draft, and even if it gets to be shot, it never makes it through all the way because what happens is you have too much stuff and then you just end up cutting that kind of stuff. The, the fact that, again, it was John Ritter and he was playing it. He was playing every moment. And, and you know, Suzanne Summers actually was pretty good in, in that she had, she had a couple of good jokes. And the other thing is they were setting up that joke at the end so that when, when Janet came in, she, you knew you were ahead of it. The audience is ahead. They know that she's going to say desirous. You're waiting for her to say that. Right. Right. Um, be- because it really didn't have much to do with anything and it was going on too long. But he was that kind of an actor it, like Penny Marshall or or Robin Williams, people just want to see them. They want to hear them. It, it's even less about what they're saying or doing. They just they just like them. Otherwise, right. nobody would have kept that whole long <laughs> that whole long thing. It was a terrible letter. And like you said, the brush your 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 hair for them. It was worth mm-hmm. what they yeah. would say is it was worth the trip. You worth know, a lot of times trip. writers would say, "Oh, this is so long. Is it going to be worth the trip?" It was worth the trip. I like that. I'm going to call it worth worth the tripper, worth the Jack Tripper. I'm going to say that now on the the podcast. (laughs) But oh my gosh, Cindy, I'm just loving all of your tidbits and all of your knowledge for sitcom writing. This is so this is so exciting for me. I just have to say again, I I love this. (laughs) It's my passion. I I I I love it too as much as you you do. I also think for anyone who's not familiar with the show, because now you 
have to have continuity in between episodes. So, mm-hmm. but back then, it's like if you didn't watch last week's episode, then you didn't watch last week's episode, and that was sort of it. So, I feel like this opening scene sort of set the stage for the dynamics. Like, you know that Chrissy is the dumb blonde, you know that Janet is the level headed brunette, and you know that Jack is sort of clumsy. So, I feel like anyone that was watching this episode for the first time, it painted a picture of what the dynamics were. I could tell you how they came up with this story. Um, they needed, they needed Jack to observe Chrissy taking the money out of his wallet. How do you do that? Right? So they would have known that was a pretty big thing that was coming up. So they had that first, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Because sitcoms are written backwards. Sitcoms are written with a big scene that you're going to go to. And then you go back to the beginning and you figure out how, how do we get into that? And somebody came up with, you know, I'm sure they said, well, what if we have a ladder and he's looking at her window, you know, and somebody would have mm-hmm. said that probably joking. Mm-hmm. And, and before you know it, you start filling in all the other pieces. And it just, I thought it worked really well, the, the whole, and, and they really laid on it. Think about the scene with where uh, Roper tricks him into, you know, working for him for like peanuts. They yeah. did a lot of stuff with the ladder. You could go up. They had, again, very physical, great comedian, right? Sliding down, doing all of these things. So Mm -hmm. they got their money's worth out of that ladder. Nobody else could have done that except him. Right. That's true. So, I mean, when they're – so are those things that you're thinking of when they're like, okay, well, the episode's going to be – they think Chrissy's a kleptomaniac. Are those physical comedy moments – and maybe it depends on the actor, but are those things that – they think of in the writer's room and they're like, we need to have a physical comedy moment here. And it maybe it can be with a ladder. And then they try to write something in, or is that something that happens naturally? Maybe when they are. They would have known. Okay. So, so they would have come up with, uh, they would have come up with the ladder that, you know, and they would have come up with, Oh, he could be painting the house, you know, and then they would have come up with the stuff for the ropers and they would have come up with, he's going to fall back. They would have mm-hmm. come up with, with that. What they would have, and again, they call it business. You know, you have a great physical actor, and you try to think of what could they do on the ladder, but you don't really know. Right. See, when he he did the slide down the ladder, I was pretty surprised he did that. Mm-hmm. So what would happen is, you know, you would indicate a, a few things that you could think of, and then when the director and the actor are on stage and, and, and rehearsing it, that he, you know, he would say maybe I could do this. The director said, you want to try that? You know, so the writers try to put as much as they do, but something like that could be dangerous as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't really know, you know, you still want to protect your actor. I, I, I don't know that somebody would say, could he hold on to both sides and slide down the whole thing? Maybe, maybe, you know, um, but maybe not. Right. But they definitely would have said he's going to fall backwards. <laughs> they would have had that. They, yeah. <laughs> and you know, he was fine. Also, I I would think that after he falls out off the ladder, it would. I mean, nowadays that's not something that's brushed over in a commercial break. But it's fine. He fell and he's yeah. fine. <laughs> Here's something too that that I'll tell you that they do. I'll give you another example that they don't do now. And the the audience, you might want to say that they're more sophisticated, but they tend not to like things that can't happen. So, like, I've worked on shows where people, the producers would say, yeah, but could that really happen? And then you'd say, well, no. Well, then we don't want to do it, like like you just said. 
they'd mm-hmm. say, well, he'd be dead or he'd break his leg if he fell back, right? So that is a question of what you think the audience likes, how far you can go. Here's another example. Another thing that another show that I worked on, they would say, um, the actors see what we see. So if the actor opens a refrigerator and there's a shawl in it, he Mm -hmm. sees it. The audience sees it. He sees it. There's no way he doesn't see it. But to get the laugh, you have to suspend that belief. This audience... I think like those things that were pushing reality, really. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was gonna, I was gonna say that to you. What did you think of when the shawl was in the refrigerator? And twice, twice, he, right? Twice he doesn't twice, see it. Twice he goes back and then he moves it. <laughs> he moves it. He even moves it. It's not possible. Yeah. But in those shows, it you know it it doesn't it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It matter because the audience wants to they want to laugh they know it's like married with children the way the producers described it they would say it's a cartoon it's not mm-hmm. real people it's way out there so when uh, they're insulting each other and saying all these horrible things to each other it's a cartoon it's an exaggeration again another show that you wouldn't do today because you wouldn't like his attitude towards her. He says, right. you know, really uh, misogynistic things about women. They had no ma'am, the, the women hating club, you know. So different time, different rules. I'm not saying you couldn't do it now, but it would have to have a certain kind of a tone to right. the show that we cueing people that it's not real. A perfect example of a not real scene in today's TV, White Lotus. Mm. Um, I don't know if you White you watch yep. White Lotus, but the, the scene with Jennifer Coolidge, with, you know, in in the last episode. Yep. <laughs> physically, oh. a lot of that stuff could not happen. <laughs> but we love her and and we love the show. So yeah. we're willing to say, um, okay. Right? Yeah. But it, the tone is a little off in that show. The whole thing Absolutely. is a little off. Absolutely. And that's actually a really great point when you're talking about what the audience wants to see because – and when you were asking if I found the shawl part funny, something I love about sitcoms is – or at least taped in front of a live studio audience – I find it funny when the audience finds it funny. I feel like that is momentum for me. When I hear like a big uproar of laughter, it subconsciously makes me think that it's funny. Um, But I think that the – there was like a big – howl when he saw the shawl for the second time and moved it. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm with you. I'm with the audience. We're all in this together. So that is also something I love about sitcoms and you just saying. Yes. And yeah. that's why you need a lot. You, you need to do that in front of an audience. So mm-hmm. had you not done that show and you, you couldn't do that as a single camera show because that group laughter cues you. It really, you're, fought, you're like sitting in a movie theater, right? And by yourself, it's not fun in a comedy. You're with other people. You're with the person that you came with. It cues the audience. The thing that they did also very well on that show is all shows have a laugh track added. It's called sweetening. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they do two shows, right? And sometimes they do multiple takes. So the audience will not laugh uh, the same amount um, the second or third time. So mm-hmm. they might like a third take, but they need a more powerful laugh track. 
So what they do is they bring in, it used to be like two guys, they own like the rights to some kind of, they had this laugh machine of, of years of people's laughter. And then they, they add, it, what you're seeing is genuine laughter because you would hear it if, it, if it's too canned, it yeah. stops too quickly. And, um, but they sweeten it. And so that it sounds okay. Because imagine sometimes what they could do is they, there's something wrong and they have the audience leave. So you would do that scene and you'd have nobody there. You can't show it like that. Right, right. Or I guess any spoilers or if there's like a big moment. I'm tr- I'm thinking of, I don't know if you watch Friends, but even there's just like this big moment at the end of Friends where Rachel gets off the plane and she sees Ross. And it's like, that's a huge moment. So I don't know if you somehow as an actor s- slipped up or like wanted a retake, I feel like you the audience like needs to see that once because you're not going to get that big gasp twice. That is absolutely true. That, you know, I, I've seen things that they had one shot uh, of doing it. Now, of, of course, you know, they, they will do it. Remember, they do two shows. Mm-hmm. They do an early show and the late show. So you do, and that's why they do that. In case you miss it on one, you'll have, and sometimes the earlier take is the better take. I got on a Laverne and Shirley, she needed to cry. Her boyfriend dies. She needed to cry. Um, she was able to cry on the first show, couldn't do it on the second. Mm. That audience didn't get, you know, so uh, they could use onion drops, you know, they have other things that they could do to, to do that. Uh, I, I did a Mork and Mindy where they actually took dynamite and blew up the set. You have oh one shot. You have one shot. That's it. Wow. That's it. And, and Yeah. And so these kind of moments are very, very nerve wracking. You know, we once yeah. did a Mork and Mindy and one of the cameras, the, the film was destroyed. So they only oh, had no. the two. Yeah. I mean, all kinds of, they had to reshoot things. I mean, stuff does go wrong. It doesn't happen a lot, yeah. but sometimes it happens. Oh my gosh. I couldn't even, oh, that would be so stressful. But I, yeah, I guess, I guess it does happen. This is where the misunderstanding comes in. The classic Three's Company misunderstanding, which I would love to hear your thoughts, because I remember when we when I first approached you to be a guest, you said you're like I don't know that much about Three's Company. I just know there's a misunderstanding. Here's the thing: that's it's a farce, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it's a farce, right? Which also broadens it when the audience realize that it's you know they pick up a diary, they think uh, they see something. She must be pregnant. Um, <clears throat> the thing that's so interesting about it when I was working on Laverne and Shirley. And uh, I had to go pitch some stories. Um, the one rule that they gave us is don't give us a story that can be cleared up in one sentence, which was Three's Company. Mm. You could say right from the beginning. <laughs> She's not a kleptomaniac. She's not a kleptomaniac. Um, Mrs. Roper asked to borrow money. She knew Jack had it. And then she was going to pay it back. You don't have yeah. an episode. So, so the entire show is a misunderstanding and it was taken, you know, I know that you know this, it was taken from a, a British show uh, called man about the house. Right. And yeah. they had two, they had three pilots. One was Larry Gelbart who did um, mash. And he, 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 um, he, he kind of stayed to the British version. There was another uh, version, I think uh, two never aired. Yeah. There were mm-hmm. three, there were three separate pilots. So it took them a while to find what they wanted to do. And for them, and I didn't see, I never saw the original, but for them, I thought the misunderstanding worked fantastic for other shows. 
No, the whole show was you could clear it up in one sentence. Oh, she's not pregnant. Oh, okay. I guess we don't have a, we don't have a show. Yeah. I thought they actually did a great job uh, because everything was logical. Now, the mm-hmm. only thing that's forced is Mrs. Roper coming in for absolutely no reason all, at all and asking her for money. <laughs> And $36 is very specific, too. (laughs) You have $36? $36? Yeah, cash. There's a COD package, and and Stanley's gone to the paint store with Jack, and I... I don't think I have quite that much. How much do you have? $4. (laughs) How much do you have? $4 if you lend it to me. Can I take an IOU? Chrissy, you can't give an IOU to the UPS for a COD. <laughs> they call the FBI. I, I don't know if I should be embarrassed to say this, but I had to Google what a COD was. Is that a common term? Well, you know, I think when I was a kid, I didn't know what COD. I thought it was COD. I right. didn't know. I never saw anybody actually do a cash on delivery so that you'd order something. It was like a collect... Uh, call, which I'm sure you don't know what that is either. Um, (laughs) I've heard of them. I've heard of those. (laughs) But, um, and I never saw anybody do it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I guess people did it. Maybe it was generations before. It's really funny. I missed the COD. I thought I was going to play it back. I didn't, I didn't even catch it. I was thinking, what was the first, that first thing? Yes. In my life, I never saw it, but I've seen it in TV shows and movies. Oh, I can't believe it. What? I just don't know how to tell you. Just say it out there. I'll just bring it Okay. Chrissy stole money from me. What? That's impossible. No, I saw her do it with my own eyes. What did she do? Stick her hand in and take it out of your pocket? No, out of my drawers. (laughs) Kind of get serious when they're like, maybe she needs to go to a therapist. But I would like to take a second here because I have two, two things and I would love your take on this. I love Jack and Janet. I think that they have incredible chemistry. I don't know if you felt that way watching this episode, but I love them. Spoiler, they didn't end up together, but I feel like they should have, and a lot of people feel like they should have, but there was a spinoff called Three's a Crowd that John Ritter went on Mm -hmm. to do. And I would love to know from a sitcom writer perspective, moments between Jack and Janet, were those intentional? Are the writers thinking about that? Or is it happening too fast in terms of turnaround time for a script? Or are they thinking about jokes first? Are they not really thinking about chemistry between characters? And is that really just the actors who have chemistry? I feel like that's a loaded yeah. question. But No, it's a really great question. And, and, and probably two different answers depending mm-hmm. upon the show. They did have stuff like that. There was a show that was called, that was a popular show called I Dream of Jeannie. And yes, they, and of course. Jeannie of course. ends up with uh, the major. Master. <laughs> was, yeah. Tony, Tony, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you you know your your history. You could look at Mork and Mindy. They ended up uh, married. Um, but you know what? I I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure they never planned that. And what happens is you start running out of stories. Really, you you start running out of stories and then you think, well, obviously the characters have some chemistry because you're you're a hit show, right? Mm -hmm. And then you think, well, what can we do with that? Oh, let's have them, you know, they always had chemistry. But in the beginning, you did not want it to be about that. It had to be about he's reporting back and stuff. 
And then, and then the natural progression is that, oh, well, I don't know. Why don't we have them have a baby? But I, I, I am very sure on any show that I worked on, I don't rem- you know, nowadays you go in and you pitch, they want to know what's going to happen in year one to five and everything. But these shows weren't that planned out. Now that could be different in drama. I, I'm sure these shows have to figure out where they're going. I, I don't know a lot about drama, but, um, you know, yeah, sometimes you, on shows that I've been on, you know, we'll say, well, how about those two? You know, the same with Friends. I, I've never heard them talk about it. How much of those pair-ups were intentional from the beginning? I I, I think not. I mean, I'm not saying, yes, Ross um, and Rachel, that was from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? That was like right from the beginning. But yeah. some of the others, did they think Chandler... And Monica were going to end up when they came up yeah. with that show. I would say they probably didn't. Right, right. Yeah. So, and if you have chemistry between people and you start noticing it, you're pretty lucky. Yeah. You know? End up what end up what ends up happening. You have a a lot of people on a show, and you notice that banter between two people is better than the other two people. So you start giving them to you know more stuff together. And then mm-hmm. the actors deliver and it's like, oh, 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 we got something over here. Especially with yeah. large films. You, you, you see that all the time. All of a sudden, right? These two were friends. They weren't really before. Uh-huh. So I think you get both. Back then, especially. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Because that is the biggest question I have. Why didn't Jack and Janet end up together? I'm sure there are a lot of other reasons. So wait, do you spin-off. think like... While the three of them were together, they would pair them. Or once um, Suzanne Summers was out of the way, they immediately brought somebody else. They they wanted that that three. I think that they had a unique setup. Mm-hmm. That it was flirtatious between all. He was a flirt with that, that with everybody, right? Yes, he was very flirtatious. And I think they always wanted you to think, oh, now because even when I was watching this, you know, he brushes her bangs and then he pokes her nose. I mean, that was very flirty, but then he, he reverts to, oh, you're just the person that's there. Right? Right, right. And no, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. I think when Suzanne Summers was in the picture, it was definitely equal. It's a, who's he going to end up with? Who's going to flirt with this episode? And once Suzanne Summers left and then they brought in Jenna Lee Harrison, who plays Cindy, and then after Jenna Lee Harrison, they brought in Priscilla Barnes, who plays Terry, then it was like, okay, there are roommates who keep coming through and Jack and Janet are always the two who remain. And they they're the ones that have episodes where they they go on a date together um or they end up in bed together and he doesn't really have episodes like that with the blonde roommates and it's always Janet. So so how far did they Yeah, how far did they go? You're saying they they did end up in bed together? Accident, by accident. But they're those plot, those or those specific plot plots happening in episodes are, you know, I feel like teasing and giving the audience what they want. And I remember in my research, you know, just like eBay articles of um, newspaper and like TV guides, it's like Jack finally ends up in bed with Janet. So clearly there was an awareness that there was something there between those two characters. And I just thought, you know, if you're ending the show, it would feel natural to have those two end up together since they're the only two roommates that have lasted throughout the eight seasons. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't know what the actors thought too. You yeah. Know? I, I don't know. I mean, 
I like that they didn't end up together. There's some sort of a purity to the concept of the show that not everybody has to end up together. Um, The other thing is about her character is she grounded the show more, right? She was the (laughs) voice of reason. The other one was saying crazy things, but had logic. Very hard to write a character like that. She wasn't stupid. She sounded stupid, but everything she said actually had some logic to it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, in her own way, in her own way. And sometimes it actually made perfect sense, said in an odd way, very hard to write those kind of characters. Sounds easy. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah, I I can't, I can imagine. And I also feel like it, people would think it's easy to play those characters, but it's not. Because I think Suzanne does it more in a naive way, not stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, you know, when I was watching, I had, uh, I had respect for, for the way she did it. She was, she did that Lucy thing, which is sincerity, not like, oh, I'm being cute and oh, I'm being funny. That's what I thought of her because they used to always promote her like, you know, like running around, at, you know, the, like in a towel or whatever. I, I, I thought the show was that, but wa- watching this episode, she, she actually was very good. Mm-hmm. By playing it naive and not stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar to, she kind of reminds me of like a young Rose from the Golden Girls. It's kind of. Right. right. I, I also want to call out this line where Jack and Janet now think that Chrissy is a full-blown kleptomaniac. And she they're hiding in the kitchen and Chrissy comes in. Go to the kitchen. I have to yeah, show you no, where to wait, put away yeah. the groceries. She doesn't know. Never Go. mind that, the shawl, the shawl, the shawl. The what, the what, the what? That's Mrs. Roper's shawl. Roper gave it to her on their anniversary. Oh, no. What's going on? Oh. Huh? Oh, nothing, Klepti. I mean, Chrissy. <laughs> I thought that was really that funny. Was a very funny line. And the way he did it was really funny. And he, he very quickly went into her name, the, way, the yes. way he did it. I actually thought that was pretty funny. And it worked out so well, didn't it? The, the Klepti and the... Yeah, I think they they did a really good job with that story. I'll tell you something else that is interesting about sitcoms and that particular one. Most of their action is in the living room. You know, Mm. they sometimes go and I remember the the Regal Beagle, but they don't do a lot of outside sets, I don't think, right, that go to a lot of places. And it's very hard. Most of it is a misunderstanding that happens in the house. You know how hard that is to keep coming up? With, with stuff when they're not going anywhere. They do that really, really well. That's I'm really glad that you brought that up because I didn't think about that. And I don't think that's something a lot of people are thinking of because I think when people think of Three's Company, they sort of put it down because it is always a misunderstanding and it is always in the apartment. So it feels like a very simple show. But the fact that you are saying it's actually hard to write something so simple that um, I really like that. <laughs> I haven't heard that perspective. Well, several years. Several years. You know, it's like some of the, the the greatest shows of all time, like All in the Family. Again, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I love All in the Family. Okay, but it's mostly in, in the living room also. And that means you have to bring people in to, to bring stories, you know, I, most of the stories, you know, or he comes home and he says, somebody left something in my cab and he, he insults them. You know, it's it's very hard to do. It's really easy when you could use an outside set. They go somewhere and they do something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. As opposed to 
uh, we got to still use that living room. Don't we have any money? Don't, can we take, you know, right. Even would go to the Chinese restaurant. They, That's they true. Used, and uh, work. They, they went places. They walked down the street. You saw the back lot. They did that. Just think about that, it. That yeah. is true. And and now if a show does that, it's called, sorry, it's called a bottle episode. Is that what it's called? A bottle? I've heard that. I don't, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. They, I've heard it referred to in Friends. It's They only do them once every season where they have just the six characters in one setting. And that's that's very rare because like you said, it is it is hard to do that. And I feel like those episodes usually happen on Thanksgiving for friends and it's always like a big moment. Like you just know they're going to be stuck in the apartment together. So um, yeah, just very, very, very interesting. Yeah, like nobody ever wants to write a party scene. You have a lot of characters. You have no place to really move. So you have to keep trying to isolate, especially if it's in front of an audience. You know, you have right. to get the camera to isolate, you know, as opposed to a sing, you know, a, a single camera. You, you uh-huh. have, you know, you, you're shooting both ways, you know. So, yeah, no, they're hard. They're very hard to write because, you're, you know, you still want to progress a plot, right? You're going towards something. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then we go through this whole shawl thing that which we we did discuss. But at the end, we find out that, you know, Mrs. Roper lent Chrissy the shawl. Chrissy gives Jack the money back. They find out she's not a kleptomaniac. We find out that Jack ended up taking Janet's pen, actually. So it was all a big misunderstanding that always- yeah, the pen was nice. The pen the was pen. A nice. Could you see they needed that? Can you sign that? See, so that letter from the beginning played a bigger role than you realize because they used it again at the end is you have to sign the, the letter. That is right? so that, that, so is that true. letter. The letter had multi purposes because why would you, how did you, you don't want to just say, oh, your pen is on the floor. That's, that's not really fun, right? Right. And it actually, now that we're talking about all of these different misunderstandings for this episode specifically, it feels sort of like a puzzle because I'm wondering how you even write that if you're thinking, Okay, what are the three things? What are the three signs that they need for to have Chrissy or for them to think Chrissy is a kleptomaniac? Maybe maybe a pen goes missing, maybe a shawl, and then money, and then you kind of have to, like you said, work backwards, I guess, and then figure out how you get to that point. So that does sound very hard. Yeah, because just think of it. So so you know they pick a pen. They probably went through a bunch of different things, and then they said, well, you know, well you borrow somebody's pen, right? So you, you could see, well why would you be asking for a pen? You know, you could just see, you know, because that, that letter had nothing to do with anything. He doesn't get a job. Usually the things that, unless something's very funny, it wasn't very funny, have something to do with the story. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't have anything to do with the story. No. Right? Nothing. No. <laughs> nothing. And even the tag scene. So now we're at, we're at, the, we're at the end the tag scene was funny because, you know, it made us laugh because it's a joke or a, a Chrissy story that Jack and Janet weren't really understanding, but it didn't really have anything to do with the story. And remind sometimes me, the- remind me what, what was the tag? She was 
talking about oh my gosh I don't even remember she was talking on the couch and Jack and Janet were staring at her and she was saying how um she was like don't you don't you get the point it's so simple and they were like what and she was like going it didn't really have anything to do with anything and sometimes I feel like tag scenes tie back like I don't know maybe it could have been Jack getting a phone call from like to actually groom English sheepdog like I feel like that could have been that could have been funny and yeah but (laughs) you know, I could tell you what happens with tags. So sometimes you're really lucky and the tag will be, you haven't wrapped your, you know, you wrapped your story, but you still can have a little thing that you want to say about it. Or like some shows like Laverne and Shirley, you have a little moral at the end and, you know, it's like, kind of like, what did you learn? I want, I'm not going to do that again. But <clears throat> sometimes you go, we need a tag because that's what the ABC shows did. And many shows did. Right. So, um, so it'll be a free tag and everybody hates writing those. And, and, you know, like, all right, what ideas do you have for a tag? So that was probably that. The other thing that can happen is a lot of times they shoot way too much and then you mm. cut in the beginning and then you're stuck with this weird thing at the end. And the other thing that I don't know, and you would know this better, is this an unedited, is, is this an unedited for syndication episode is the, it the version the version that you watched is unedited that's good yeah yeah because yeah. otherwise if you take it from youtube huge chunks are, are the ones that i worked on i know what's missing and i go oh my god this doesn't even make any sense anymore oh my gosh sometimes i don't even know how they decide what to cut out because there are some things that i've seen and i'm like you that was such a funny joke or that was crucial to understand this. And I don't know who comes up with cutting what. I assume it's not the writers. That's just like the network, right? Yeah. It's like, no, what happens was when it goes into syndication, you know, and they want to add a bunch of commercials, they just start cutting all the, all the top pieces of scenes are gone. A lot of jokes, any, you know, we call free beats. Sometimes there's fun little jokes. Like I think, you know, you were saying that stuff is all gone and, and it's, it's maddening because if you were there, and you remember yeah. in the room, it took so long to come up with that. And it's like for a commercial. Oh, gosh. What a yeah. what a waste. <laughs> but that was The Kleptomaniac. And Cindy, I know that you you haven't watched a ton of Three's Company episodes, but what did you think? Did you did you enjoy yourself? Did you hate it? Did you uh, – don't be nice. What were your, what were your final thoughts? <laughs> no, I, I thought they did a great job. And I did laugh. Uh, Klepti made me laugh. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was very well constructed. I think it was a very 70s kind of show. Yeah. In, in, in a good way, not a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, it was a number one show. I think, yeah. that's, I think that speaks for itself. When I watch a show, I want to tell you one quick story that, that I think that you'll like. I, I was very fortunate uh, to meet Lucille Ball at mm-hmm. one point and sit down and chat with her about comedy. And um, she was talking about that there are very few actors. This was in the mid eighties. Okay. Mm-hmm. She was talking about at the time, there were very few people that were very uh, good comedians in sitcoms and that they, you know, um, and very, very few physical, com- you know, actors. And she, she said the people tip the jokes before, before they say them, she said they smile, but she goes, this one actor, I really think is great. And she said, John Ritter. And she ended up, I know, working with him later on. Yeah. But I thought you'd like to know that the greatest probably of all time 
picked John Ritter as somebody who she admired. I love that story so much. Thank you for sharing that. And so you know, because you're a fan of Lucille, she hosted a special in 1982, just at the end of season six for Three's Company. And it was, um, she was just introducing clips. And something that she said that has always stuck with me is that she likes Three's Company because it's not trying to change the world. It's not trying to say anything really important. It's just trying to make us laugh for 20 minutes. And I thought that was, I heard that as a child and I thought, yes, I feel like we don't always have to say anything. We just want to make people feel good. And that's why I love sitcoms. I love that you love them. <laughs> I do. I really, really, really do. And Cindy, it was such a pleasure having you. And thank you for sharing all of these tidbits and your stories and I genuinely this has made my entire week my entire month <laughs> so thank you so much you're welcome everyone thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week as we talk about season 3 episode 12